Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I hope you enjoyed our opening music. It's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band featuring Maya Dore, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks Radio is about sound news, not just sound bites. Our goal is to raise all voices, big and small, around the world, from those diagnosed to those that care and serve them, advocates and researchers and more. Today is a live show, so you can call in and join the conversation anytime at 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. And as usual, I want to give a couple of shout outs uh, to uh, Artist Way Memory Cafe, we do those on the third Wednesday of the month at 1 o'clock Central. And also also Arthur's Senior Care, we do a Memory Cafe on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at 1 o'clock. And you can always reach out to me for more information regarding that. Or better yet, just hop over to MemoryCafeDirectory.com where you'll find a list of all the memory cafes. Now, many of them are not meeting right now. They haven't gone virtual. But on Memory Cafe Directory, click on Cafe Connect, and you will find the cafes that are doing virtual. And so, like with the ones I'm doing, you're more than welcome, no matter where you live, to join us. Um, that's the fun thing about going virtual. Need to shout out, if you haven't heard about Dementia Map, a global resource directory we just launched you need to check it out. It has wonderful resources, and it's a great way for businesses um, and individuals who have resources for people to get the word out. Uh, Coral Health, I need to shout out to. They are still allowing people to download free their music app called um, Music First and Coral Faith Free during the pandemic. We're going to hear from the Foot Bar Walker, and we'll be right back. Introducing the life-changing Foot Bar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Foot Bar Walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. 
The foot bar walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the foot bar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The foot bar walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's the thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the footbar walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the footbar walker. Well, I just love that walker, I got to tell you. Um, today's show, I am really excited. We are having a Yuta Lugovic back with us, and we're going to be talking about dementia possibilities. And she has a conference coming up that she's going to tell us about called Dementia Possibilities. And, you know, she is, uh, for those of you who haven't heard her before, um, she is an amazing woman. And she is nationally recognized regarding Alzheimer's and dementia as a specialist and an advocate in a really progressive, person-centered way. She holds her doctorate in management of Alzheimer's and dementia caregiving and is the author of several popular books. Uh, One that I'm sure will be brought up today is the Alzheimer's and Memory Cafe and then also the Alzheimer's Creativity Project number two. Uh, Yuda has had uh, just a ton of success in her work with people with dementia from early stages all the way to late stages and she is a very well known as a speaker and she works with families guiding them through dementia the dementia wilderness and isn't that uh, quite the same uh, she also does staff training and that is more person-centered uh, caregiving and protocols and creativity programs that are based in the Montessori approach so welcome Yuta. how are you doing today Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm getting a little tired of my four walls. <laughs> I think everybody's getting a little tired of their four walls and walking from room to room trying to readjust going from these four walls to another four walls these days. Exactly. Um, exactly. Now, why don't you tell people where you're located? I'm I'm lucky enough that I live on an absolutely gorgeous mountainside in uh just outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Wonderful. And I'm up in Minnesota, and we are getting ready for the uh, below zero uh, big whip and wind here that's going to be rolling in the oh, state of it. Might get to 20 and 40, 40%, uh, 40% below zero, so that'll be interesting. Now, Yuta, I always ask people when they are on the show, and you probably remember this from last time, if they wouldn't mind sharing if you've been personally touched in your own family or circle of friends uh, by dementia. Uh, I haven't, actually. Uh, I, I, I got into this purely by accident, if there is such a thing. Uh, if somebody needed help visiting with her mom because she was going to be out of state for three months and on, on, uh, uh, for work. And... Uh, the rest of her family was scattered all over the country. So, you know, I, I said, why not? I mean, I'm going to be in town a couple of times a week anyway. And I had never met anybody that I knew of had dementia. 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I had, but I just did, I I wasn't aware. I really was not aware of it. I paid no attention whatsoever to dementia of any kind or Alzheimer's. And I found myself with uh, visiting this woman who, actually, in retrospect, she did not have dementia. She most likely had uh, either FTD or or uh, Lewy body dementia, uh, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> Same thing was, uh, I I had to learn really quickly I bet. what this was all about, and I was in. She was living in a facility, and uh, within the first two weeks, I knew that this is what I needed to do. I just I fell in love with the with the possibilities because I saw them. I I'd been a teacher, and actually, I was already as a teacher. I was I was uh, a Montessori facilitator, and that is a very person centered program that starts with wherever you are and if it's education you learn from that uh, starting with your interests and then you just expand it and but the same thing can happen with people with dementia mm-hmm. and so it was natural <laughs> you know and, and uh, I've been doing it ever since and that was in 94 1994 by the way wow. and that's way before anyone was really talking about it you know I mean I've, I've exactly. been in it yeah. About 12 years, and even then, people weren't really talking about it. And what they were saying was all pretty much negative um, regarding the exactly. disease. Oh, yeah. very... they... Go ahead. At the time, yeah, as soon as I found out you know, from, the, from the nurse at the facility that this woman had dementia, as you know, I, I went to the local library to get some information. And uh, because I committed myself to three months of visits, and I said, I need to know, you know, how do I handle this? Uh, There were two books at our big library in town, the main one downtown, two of them only. One was a a really skinny little pocketbook, and I don't even remember what it was called. Uh, But, I, I you know, I just sort of leafed through it very quickly. I said, this is worthless. This is not going to help me. And then the other one was a 36-hour day, mm-hmm. which I'm sure everybody's familiar with. And I took it home, and I started reading, and I got to page 10. Now, this was the 1987 edition. I got mm-hmm. to page 10, and I said, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> um, yeah. Because it was all doom and gloom, gloom uh, in those days. They've got a little mm-hmm. bit better. The later editions are a little bit better, but but there's still it was like you know uh, aggression, anxiety, and you don't know how to communicate, and you know basically lock them up, and where it was horrible. And yeah. so, but it actually made me more even more determined. I took the book back, by the way, immediately because mm-hmm. I said I'm, I'm not going. You know, I, I can't buy this. I don't believe this. Well, Justin, and I, think, I had already met a few people. I said, you know, who supposedly had, they were in the so-called memory care unit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, was, uh, <laughs> they were supposed to have issues. And I, so I, I knew them well enough, even from just a couple of visits. This did not fit them at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I took it from there. 
Well, and I think so many people too with the the book, and I mean, it's still out there, the 36 hour day, but I think what people found was they thought all of this stuff was going to happen instead of these are different ways this disease can twist and turn. And so people got really, really overwhelmed with it. Um, Let's talk about your unusual format in terms of dealing with dementia and your reason for for developing that. Uh, I, like I said, you know, based on Montessori, you start with the person. And so uh, I'll tell you how I approach a new client. I don't push myself on them. I, I just introduce myself, not what I do, uh, of what I am, I, but, you know, by name and, and ask for their name and, and just listen to them for a little bit, get them to talk a little bit. Uh, or sometimes I've just sat with them and listened to music together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I spend whatever time I need with them like that, one-on-one, until I feel that they feel trust and comfort, mm-hmm. that they feel safe. And then I can take steps further. I can either get them, get them involved in activities. Uh, I can, you know, depending on what my role is, actually, in this case, why I was brought into this situation. And uh, it, it, gives me, it gives me the chance to get to know the essence of that person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had the luxury because I'm not paid <laughs> to, to be a speedo. I could take whatever time I need. And I, you know, I tell people that right up front. Mm-hmm. One of them, I said, I, I have no idea. It depends on our relationship and how long it takes your mom to feel comfortable with me. Uh, who knows? You know, two hours, three days, whatever. And uh, at that point, oh, excuse me, once she feels safe, most, most of my clients have been women, by the way. I only had. Uh, three, four, no, but half a dozen male clients in all these years. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a whole other story why it hits women well. Um, but anyway, at that point, I can really help the family by get, engaging that person in a conversation that she's comfortable with and I'm familiar with, with how dementia affects communication in people so I can I, I never push I, I spend more most of my time listening and watching well and, and I that think point, that's brilliant yeah go ahead because we all want to feel comfortable you know no matter who we are I mean that's our that's our goal let's be real about it and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it I saw an article the other day and it happened to be about a, a barber and it it didn't have anything to do with dementia, but it just showed um, how intensely in tune this barber was with his with his clients. And he moved into an area that didn't have a barber. They had all kinds of salons. And here he was laying on the floor giving a boy a haircut who, you know, had some autism issues and he couldn't get him in the chair. And so he just went wherever he was comfortable and just made it work. And, 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 you know, they're talking about now he has people coming long distances 
you know, to help with people who aren't comfortable. And he, he just figures out what's going to work and then make sure that they're in their comfort zone. He doesn't rush into anything. And I thought that's exactly what we need to do with dementia is get in their comfort zone, figure, you know, ask that question first, what makes them comfortable? And so often mm-hmm. I, I think we don't do that. And it's just kind of a no, oh, it's I a no brainer. Yeah. You know, we, when you think about it, right? yeah, I mean, we, we want to be asked that we want to feel comfortable. Why would somebody with dementia not want that in their life or expect that mm-hmm. in their life? You know, that's mm-hmm. very, very important. Now you have a conference coming up. So let's talk about your conference, the dementia possibilities. How did it get started and um, who, who should attend? Uh, uh, first, let me start with the last question. Who should attend anybody who is involved with dementia, whether you're living with it or caregiver or family member or just interested? Uh, it, there are, are sessions that, that address all kinds of issues that that everybody in that major group actually, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I should have gotten my, my throat lozenge as well. Anyway, that's <laughs> So you know, we our program is very varied, and uh, uh, you can actually access everything, all the information on it. If you go to www.dementiapossibilities.com, all one word, and uh, and you'll see. Uh, I have pulled. To, how did it come about? It came about because uh, uh, back in in 2019, we decided. We being a very small group of of me and my peers uh, decided that we needed to give a conference that was not focused on pathology when mm-hmm. it relates to to dementia. We you were so we're so focused on the medical aspects that we forget about the person. So we said, what you know, we we need to do a conference that's focused on the person and not the disease. So we had a wonderful conference. Uh, it was exhausting, which is great, <laughs> you know, did all kinds of things. Uh, so we were going to do it again. We are going to make it annual. But, of course, then COVID happened. And so we decided, okay, we, we have to figure out a way to do this virtually. And also so it's interesting enough that people will stick with it. And, and short enough because Zoom calls, it, most of our experiences, mine in particular, I – Long Zoom calls are exhausting in a completely different way than an actual attendance at a lecture or whatever is exhausting. Zoom calls, because you have to concentrate on that screen. And so we decided to have it just from 12 noon to 3.30 in the afternoon and with a program that, that has release and relief in between, like respite, you know, depending on the sessions. Like mm-hmm. almost every day has something that relates to art, poetry, music, and uh, and we try to cover, basically cover the basics of what what anybody who uh, is involved with dementia needs to be aware of. And I'm lucky enough that uh, I have 16 amazing people that I've been working with here in town in this area. And, you know, we've on and off, we have worked together for years, and they're, they, they're wonderful. 
they're all specialists in their areas. So they're the presenters. And one of the presenters is uh, Susan Balkman, who uh, is actually living with dementia, who has been my companion and my co-presenter at uh, conferences, uh, national conferences for several years now. And yeah, and that is funny. When uh, you know that, because you do it, you know. Once you get people involved in your programs who are actually living with dementia, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You know, it's so it's so powerful. It's it's so it powerful. Um, I know when I've done conferences and done panels or um, interviews with people with dementia, uh, it every time, every single time people come up and go, that was so eye-opening and awakening. I can't believe I didn't know this before. I'm really mad at myself. I didn't understand this. And this whole time I thought I did. And it, right. it's it's critical to have those diagnosed be part of this because I mean who has better insight than someone living with it, you know? <laughs> They're the only experts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the rest of us are just guessing. <laughs> but but it, the exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's so empowering to have them involved for themselves, you know, um, personally right, right, to right. be taken seriously and looked up to and valued. Uh, that's a that's mm-hmm. a huge huge piece in and of itself. You know, I'm on your um, your page here, and it looks like it's uh, February 8th through the 12th, um, from 12 to 3. And one thing I didn't I, I'm going to go back to the home page. What time zone is that? Is that mountain oh, time mountain where you're time. at? Okay, that's mountain time. Right. Yes. Okay. So we're two hours we're two hours behind. Uh, East Coast. We're one hour behind you in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and we are one hour ahead of, of California. Yep. Okay. Good. And people can register. They can send an email to you, and we'll give that information right. out. And you've got the, you know, you've got the presenters all listed on here, so people can learn a little bit more about them. And then you've broken down um, by day, you know, what is what is happening as well, which is nice. So, um, you know, on Monday here, you've got the, you know, everything from the welcome to the wrap up. And I, I do like that your sessions are are shorter, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes, it looks like with this and um, all of them just really positive um, titles with things too. you know, what's going on with dementia, purposeful living with dementia, um, music and songwriting and poetry information. You know, those are all, mm-hmm. all cool things. And then you've got art projects, it looks like, as well, and fiddle boxes and collages and paper magic. I mean, it's just, it sounds like it'll be just a fun-filled, um, a fun-filled time and yet really filled with um, great pieces to help people out who are, if they're living at home or if they're um, in a community. Um, in terms of getting a better better understanding. Now, you said all your presenters are, are pretty much local. Is that correct? Uh, yes. The only one that's not local is Hope. She is uh, in Denver. 
But all okay. the rest, all the rest okay. everybody else is in the Santa Fe area. And the other reason we did that, because I, as you know, I mean, I have colleagues all over the country. And I, I know a lot of them would have loved to participate. But I also decided, you know, it's important that we, because we're, we're way out here in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and and, and uh, we're so used to all the so-called experts being either on the East Coast or on the West Coast. But we have them right here in yep. town. And yep. I want people to be aware of that. Uh, just because, and I would love for other other communities actually to steal this idea, mm-hmm. because we need to work together a lot more than we do as communities. Yep. Oh, for sure, for sure. There's there's so much, and you know, with all the dementia friendly communities that are popping up, um, they're just a huge resource. So I know a lot of them aren't being real active right now during COVID because so many are. You know their real jobs are in healthcare, and they're they're kind of bent over a barrel right now, trying to trying to handle right. COVID and the vaccines and kind of the the changing platforms there. But still, on their their websites, um, there's typically wonderful wonderful information, um, you know, for people to be able to tap into. Now, you also have on your website. Um, you know, the American Parkinson's Association, Center for Disease Control, Alzheimer's Daily News, Lewy Body, Frontal Temporal Lobe, uh, the Pioneer Network, uh, Dementia Action Alliance. Um, so you've got lots of good <clears throat> resources on this on, on your website as well for people to be able to um, tackle and uh, have available to them on that. So that's that's fantastic. Um what was the feeling? You you are on there too, you know, Lori. Oh, I don't <laughs> see myself on there, but I hope I am. You are. You are. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, thank you for having me on there. Well, because your program is important to people. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I I appreciate that. We should probably see if we can get dementia map on there too, because that'll be a nice resource for people in terms of all different types of things. But we can talk about that later. Um, I wanted to ask you when you were pulling this this conference together, what kind of response were you getting from from people, not only your speakers, but I would imagine that you must have some sponsors to help pull this all together as well. Uh, nothing but positive. Mhm. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. No, I have found so often that people, you know, all you have to do is ask, and people mm-hmm. are are willing to give. And so often people don't, you know, they don't they don't ask. And there are so many people right. willing right. willing to collaborate, and I just think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, when people come together, I mean, what a what a great conference you've got pulled together. I love that you have um, different caregiving models. You've got art resources on here as well, um, which is just uh, just great. Um, there's all kinds of wonderful information. Now, is there a cost for people to participate in in your uh, <clears throat> in your conference, Yuda? No, everything is free. 
Wow, everybody you don't hear that every day. is volunteering. I know that. Everyone is volunteering <laughs> their time and their expertise. Wow. That's that's lovely. Because, you know, and I think it's because, like I said, again, all of these presenters, except for two, are, are free, are, you know, they're independent people. Which mm-hmm. means they don't have a whole lot of steady work these days, and so they know what it's like to not have steady work. So yeah, it, it never nobody ever questioned that. By the way, mm-hmm. when I when I approached all our presenters, uh, you know, nobody questioned it. Mm-hmm. They said, "Of course, of course, we'll do this." Well, that's fantastic. And that's, you know, that's one of the positives I think that's come out of COVID is it's pulled people together in, in a different light, um, you know, with things. I'm, again, I'm still kind of bouncing around here, and it looks like on Tuesday you've got hour-long um, programs. So you've got validation and communication and transitions. You have good changes in the time of COVID, which – Boy, I think people need to hear that. There are some good things that are happening <laughs> during, during oh, this. <laughs> things right. that we're learning, you know, uh, and and like mm-hmm. this con- this conference. I mean, normally, you know, if it was in person, it probably wouldn't be free. And it would be limited to only people in that area for the most part. And now, you know, sharing information is just so, so critical, Um and it's a beautiful thing. I always tell people, you know, we wouldn't have, you know, memory cafes and we wouldn't have uh, dementia-friendly um, communities if it wasn't for other countries sharing those concepts with us. You know, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. everybody everybody thinks the U.S. is, is you know, kind of the lead horse on all this, and, and we are not. <laughs> we're not. We are we're, not. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah, way back in the pack, actually. Uh, like yeah. you know, when I when I started the first Alzheimer's cafe in, in the northern hemisphere, mm-hmm. uh, probably this whole part of the world actually, it was because of accidentally coming across a mention uh, on an Alzheimer's cafe in in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and when I I and all I saw, and I think I told you that before, all I saw was the the caption. On uh, Google, it said Alzheimer's Cafe, and I had worked at that time with families trying to deal with all of this. And I, one of my frustrations had been that there was no sort of just fun outlet or relaxation for people living with dementia and their caregivers. It was all about the disease again in this country, and so I came across that. I just went, "Wow, this is what I've been looking for." Yeah, and you and I, you and I connected. I think uh, into the second year, I think that I have been involved in this, and since then, I mean, right before COVID hit, we were close to a thousand around the country mm-hmm. from yeah, two thousand eight, and, and they are feeling, Yeah, I know, and that just like with dementia-friendly communities. They were desperately needed, mm-hmm. and thank well, God that we discovered it. And they they started, I think, either in Australia or in Britain. I, I can't remember. Scotland, the whole dementia. Scotland, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right, right. 
Yeah, it's it's been really interesting to see how things have have progressed. I mean, I remember, and I'm sure you felt this when you started your your Alzheimer's cafe, and, and um, when I started the Memory Cafe and the dementia friendly community. I mean, I was told you can't do it; it's not going to work. And I'm like, well, it works over there. Why 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 can't it work over here? <laughs> right, exactly. Right. But the, but the U.S. has <laughs> these these silos, and they have this criteria and everything had always been pretty much medically modeled, you know, driven in terms of what, right. what you, you couldn't have people with dementia and their, their care partner together because, you know, well, people have to complain and they can't do that in front of one another. <laughs> it's like, well, how do you think they live together? And there's a lot more than just complaining, you know, there's life to be lived and, having respectful conversations and being able to talk about the hard things and doing that in a, in a safe community. And, you know, the peer support on these is just incredible. Just in, and they say it's just lifesavers to them. So, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, the medical model is fine, but, but it's not everything. It's kind of like the cure versus care. Okay. (laughs) you know, what's, what's going to take the priority? Well, we better, we better do both. We better do both. We have to do both. Right. You know, and, and we have to do better with both and we have to not always think that we have, we have kind of the, the end result and the cat's meow because it's always going to change and the needs are going to change. And if, if we as professionals are not listening to what those needs are, we'll never meet them. Because we won't recognize mm-hmm. them, you know. So we have to be open to that. I was, you know, I'm <clears throat> I'm back on your site again here, and I'm looking at Wednesday. You've got um, your title for Wednesday, February 10th, is Love and Money, and you break down long-term care options and documents that support choices, which is just brilliant. And who the heck do I talk to? And um, you've even got improv and and poetry. On here, but having some of those difficult conversations is are you know that's really important in terms of making sure that we're doing the right thing for that person in their situation and letting them have a voice in those choices mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. while they while they can early on if at all possible instead of being so uncomfortable to not include somebody um to me is in this is my personal belief is disrespectful. Because I would want to be included in those choices, and and hopefully, right, you know, right. before I'm before I'm too far gone to not be able to participate, you know, in those mm-hmm, choices. Mm-hmm. So I I just think it's really smart living, and I think doing it in a group atmosphere takes some of the scary away because it says, oh, we're not the only ones in this pickle, you know, we're not the only ones contemplating this, and and I saw that play out. Um, when I was in real estate over and over where we would, uh, we would invite people out to models. We started one level living, you know, nothing was one level living. And I, it took me like three years to get my builder to do a rambler. And then so many people were interested in it, but we had conversations about what do you like and what don't you like? And they were shocked. <clears throat> they would come up to these, these little educational forums that we do and their neighbors and friends would be there and they, none of them had shared with each other that they were thinking about maybe it's time for a move, maybe it's time for a change. And then they'd see five or six of their friends 
in the room going, oh, my gosh, we're all, we're all thinking this stuff, but we're not talking about it. And so then, mm-hmm. you know, they were supposed to last like an hour, and at like three hours, I finally had to kick them out, you know, but they but then they <laughs> melded together, and it was just that you could just feel almost this ooze of comfort in the room because it wasn't mm-hmm. near as scary as people thought it was. And I think the same thing happens in, you know, in this whole realm of dementia as well. It's like these are smart questions to ask um, before you really need them. And it makes the whole process exactly. a little bit easier, you know, with things. Well, so, I, you know, I, I, su- I suggest to families, any families, uh, that they all individually, even when they're young, write down, what if? Mm-hmm. Spell it out. Spell it out. What if? Yep. Like, because we know that, that uh, strokes can happen, for instance, at any age. Yeah. And that may affect your speech and, and all, all your other abilities. What if? What do you want? And, yep. and because the relief for your family members when they have a guidance like that is amazing. So, well, for instance, it- with... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and it makes people aware that these, you know, that these things could happen. And if they do, you've got a plan for them. I mean, I've heard of so many parents whose kids have gotten sick, they're paying for their medical bills, and the doctors won't talk to them because you know, they're an adult and they don't have the right paperwork. And they're like, but I'm their parent. And they're like, well, we don't really care. <laughs> they're, they're illegal adults. Right, right. And you don't have your paperwork. I, right. And you know, none of us want to go. None of us want to go down that path. But it isn't that difficult to do. Nor does it have to be expensive. You know, to do like a power of attorney and things like that. But so much is coming out with dementia now, where people are talking about planning. And um, there's a oh gosh, I have to look it up. But there's a, a gal I just interviewed not too long ago, and I want to say it's Your Life Talks. And she has a system to have these conversations that is just brilliant. And it's, uh, it's, you can have it on an app or you can have it um, um, on, um, on cards, actually, to be able to, ha- you know, get people to have conversations, which just makes so much mm-hmm. sense. And they, they have one for end-of-life planning as well. And, uh, you know, and what, what do you want? What are your needs? Um, what what makes you comfortable, but she's done it in such a, a wonderful, wonderful way in terms of sharing, sharing story. And um, it's just, yeah, it's called your life talks with Jolene Hill. <clears throat> and she talks about the benefits of, of storytelling and engagement. And, and yet it, it can be a whole planning session as well. I've got it on the blog and, and on the radio show both. Um, but just a really cool, cool tool to help people through that process because sometimes, sometimes we get stuck. <laughs> we get, we get stuck. Oh, um, very often. Yeah, most people can deal with it. Yep. Well, family dynamics. I mean, they come they, into play. right. Oh. I mean, the end of life or or dementia. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's not going to happen to me. It, it happens to everybody else, but it's not going to happen to me. And I have to tell you, I I, I was in rehab uh, some years ago uh, for for ten days. 
Mm-hmm. And re- the rehab was very much like a nursing home. Uh-huh. And I realized, I mean, in the past I would have said, oh, no, I would never want you to, you know, let me live in a nursing home. But I have to tell you, I told my kids this. I said, you know, as, as long as I have a private private room, mm-hmm. I'm fine. I'll be fine mm-hmm. in a nursing home, so don't worry about it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> because there's a community, you know, and no, no matter where you are, you can make community. But, but I do need my private sleeping area. So that was the whole, that was the only hitch. But I think it helped them actually because their dad was just the opposite. He was never going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and, and, and many people, I don't care how old they are, many people have that. I'm not going to die. Well, I'm sorry, honey. At some point we'll do. And yeah. uh, so, you know, let's get real at least make sure that our families are not burdened with having to make decisions out of the blue. Exactly. And and those decisions, I mean, even, you know, I did this with my folks, but even after they passed, I thought we covered everything. There were still a couple of things that, you know, oh gosh, I wish I would have asked that. But, you know, I wish I would have, right. I wish I would have dug a little bit deeper and, um, you know, because people second guess themselves on what somebody's wishes are. And sometimes we'll say something to one person and we'll say something else to somebody else five years later. And then it's like, well, which one is it? <laughs> you know, right. What do we... exactly. right. And right. then and and then you get into, well, but that's not what I'm comfortable with. Well, it's not about you. You know, and I use my daughter as a as a prime excuse. I want to be cremated and she doesn't want me. She's like, Mom, I just don't like the thought of you being burned, you know. And I'm like, oh, let me be small once in my life. Just let me be small. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not in that body anymore, you know. And so I, try to I'll make some small cardboard box. That you, that yeah. I'm fine with that. And <laughs> you know, it's not. Um, it's it's not about that. But being able to to communicate those things and you know make sure mm-hmm. that your mm-hmm. your wishes are followed. I mean, we all like to feel like we're in control of our life. Why would we give up at the end of our life going, well, it really doesn't matter to us when, right. when I think it's still probably best. We're not there anymore. And, you know, it, it, if, if at all possible, if your daughter would want to be a volunteer actually for hospice at some point, mm-hmm. so she could actually witness a good death. Yep. Yeah. Sounds a little macabre, but, but I'm serious. Uh, because somebody dying on their own terms without discomfort or pain mm-hmm. is actually a, an incredible experience to witness yeah. and be part of. And it yeah. takes it takes the fear away. I mean, you know, you we don't know what what it feel like, but when 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 we could be there with somebody somebody else, and I was there with my dad. Uh, I'm so glad I was. I was, yeah, I was so glad. It was, it was absolutely perfect. It was what he wanted when he wanted it, and I I was there for his last breath. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course, I cried because I missed him. You know, <laughs> I yeah. didn't want him to go away. But once I got over that, I actually celebrated mm-hmm. because it was exactly what he would have wanted. Yeah. And I've been lucky to be able to help people pass in that situation as well. And my daughter um, was actually with my mom and I was out doing keynotes 
even though I knew she was actively dying. You know, my mom and I had gotten so close. She actually came to me in in, uh, dreams and said, you're not going to be here. I need you to be gone. Otherwise, you'll do everything, and I need the rest of the family to participate. And my mom was always big in death and dying, and she would bring us to the wakes and the funeral, and her friends would go, oh, Dorothy, they're way too young. She's like, hey, we celebrate (laughs) when somebody comes in. We should celebrate when somebody goes out. And, you know, so she was still teaching. She was still teaching through the process. And I see on Wednesday um, you have, or on Thursday, you've got the ups and downs. So you go over hospice and grief wilderness, which I think is a great title in terms of navigating that, you know, what do you expect and and how to maintain balance and strength and, and resilience. And you, and then you've got a piece on bioethics and legal issues, which I think is wonderful mm-hmm. because that comes up more often than we think it does in terms of when can somebody make a decision and how, how is that impacted? And, and sometimes when you have a piece of paper, it still isn't, you know, you think it's going to be followed and it might not be by the hospitals or by the EMTs, uh, depending on how right. that's all, all laid out. So those are great, great topics. And, and things like, I agree, things that we shouldn't be fearful of. Um, one thing I do have to mention, because I know there's a lot of long distance um, care partners out there, is I did not realize the power of video, even though I do Zoom all the time. Um, I had planned when I when my mom was dying um, and I had to do some keynotes, I was thinking that I would talk by phone and my daughter had a FaceTime and I didn't miss a beat. Um, I saw the last rites. I was part of that. I saw her take her last breath. I could cut the tension in the room when no one else would do it. When my older brother would just kind of get out of line, I, I'm always the one to kind of put him in line and crack up the room. Um, it was really amazing. And I would really encourage people to partake in, um, even in the very end. Um, you could be part of a visual, even if you're not there um, mm-hmm, through visual. Mm-hmm, you're really right. Have, right. Have full experience, you know, with that. It, it was absolutely incredible. So I always like to mention that any any chance I can I can get because I think people forget about that and, and kind of poo-poo it. Well, I'm not really there. And it's like, you can be. All you got to do is pay attention, you know, and want to be right, there. Right, With that. Right. So um, talk talk to the family ahead of time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, and I was able be, to say goodbye. Can, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, while we're on recording things mm-hmm. or, or using, a, you know, a digital anything, I, I, I recommend that people uh, take the opportunity to, video, uh, to, to audio tape or record their family members, no matter how confused they may sound. Mm-hmm. They'll love it afterwards. It's such a treasure. Yep, it's such a treasure. And, and even if it's even if it's babbling, it doesn't matter. It's her voice or his voice, and it's just we forget to do it because they don't sound right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> would you want to preserve that? Yes, you do. Well, and and they don't sound right, but that's that's who that's how they communicate now, and it'll put a smile on your face hearing that that rhythm of that communication, even if it doesn't make sense. I mean, I've been there. I, I've, I've done that. 
And I have um, several pieces of my mom, for example, with um, a music therapist. And, you know, she, she would be awake and attentive and sing, and then she just goes off to sleep. And then she'd come back in and she'd come, <laughs> and, but, you know, I could see her toes going and her hands, you know, flailing and the big smile and the glint in her eye and here it right. And I can, I, you know, I can have the worst day and I go watch one of those videos and my soul is filled and I'm like, life is good. Life is good. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, I think you're right. I think that's really important to, to pay attention to <clears throat> to that kind of stuff. Now on Friday, you have inspiration and expression. So you're talking about creating a new view of dementia, and then you've got poetry and music projects. Um, don't or, or no, you've got let's sweat the small stuff, and so that's going to be interesting. That <laughs> one looks like it's with improv um, in terms of helping care for somebody, and I think that that's wonderful. And then at the end, you've got um, putting it all together with feedback and questions and stuff. So it sounds like you've put together really a nice, brilliant program here with wonderful information and, and resources for people. What haven't we covered on this that we should talk about? Uh, boy, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is it, uh, I... Lori, I think we pretty much covered, haven't we? I, I think so. The the only thing I didn't go over was the list of all the presenters because there's so many of them. Um, yeah. In terms of, uh, in terms of what what they have to offer, I do want to mention though that you have um, a couple of different books. You've got Alzheimer's Creativity Project Two, which is just filled with just beautiful pictures and projects for people to review. You have one called Moving in More, Living Well with Alzheimer's and Related Dementia, uh, which is a handbook for caregivers. And then you also have the Alzheimer's in Memory Cafe book on how to start and succeed your own cafe. So like I said, you is just a, a wealth of information for people um, to get creative and get on the move and get involved. Um, and you, you share you know, your work and what you've learned um, so, so brilliantly. So thank you for, for all you've done for um, the world of dementia and, uh, and care as a whole. really appreciate that. Um, now, as far as websites, you have two. One, people can go to DementiaPossibilities.com. Again, that's the one that's going to get you to the conference. And you'll be able to see all the stuff we were just talking about. Again, that's dementia possibilities.com and then um, you also have uh, the alzheimerscafe.com I believe is that still current website well actually it'll take you to the conference right now it, okay. And, okay and once we pass the because I decided that was more important <laughs> so all, row, all my all my website uh, titles all lead to the same results all the roads end up at the conference and then okay. after we get that, you know, after we have uh, passed that, by the way, everything will be available later on YouTube. We're setting up a channel on YouTube. So all these sessions will be recorded and you will be able to access them on YouTube forever. After oh, that. wonderful. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, and people, <clears throat> great. And people can contact you by email. Um, do you want to give them your email? 
Yes, it's my last name, uh, which I'll spell for you. Uh, first of all, the, my last name is Lokvik, uh, but it's a pretty unusual name, so I'll spell it for you. L-O-K-V as in Victor, I-G as in George, at gmail.com. Wonderful. And do you want to give out a phone number as well, or do you prefer people email or uh, go through no, the website? No, that's absolutely. No, I'm here. And I do, by the way, I do uh, phone, uh, I do transitions by phone. I have been very successful in transitions long distance. Uh, you know, transitions, in other words, how do I help my mom move, in, move into a care facilities, facility or whatever else you need help with. Uh, and uh, and also I will just consultation by phone as well. Uh, 505-501-2412. 505-501-2412. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing this time with us today, and I wish you great success with your conference that you're having called Dementia Possibilities. Again, you can go to DementiaPossibilities.com to learn more about that. It is free, so go sign up. There's lots of fun things. Um, I, I, uh, I'm going to check my schedule. I, though it's pretty packed, I don't know if I'll be able to make it. I might have to check them out on YouTube after the, after the fact there. I got but, you. I got you. <laughs> but again, appreciate all you're doing for the world of dementia and uh, keep up the great work. And for our listeners, you can always uh, listen to any of our episodes. You know, we've been doing this over 10 years now, and we've got lots of different shows. So feel free to go to the archives. You know, once we've done them, they're there, and they're not going away. They're there for a resource for you. So have a wonderful week, everyone. Uh, tomorrow we are going to have a show um, that's going to be talking with Ted Bowman, on grief and loss. And Ted is just a wonderful, wonderful speaker. And then on Thursday, we are going to have uh, Richard Morgan, who just wrote a new book. And uh, he's just fascinating on aging and living well as a whole. So thanks, everybody. We'll talk soon. Bye now. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.